here with the Boston Terror Society. In today's episode, I have the owner of Canine Virtual Academy with me. Her name's Mary Beth, and she actually is able to train your dog virtually, which is great because I know a lot of people have asked, you know, should they put their dog in training? What type of training should they do? This podcast is going to help you answer that question. Plus, with her virtual academy, you know, time constraint is an issue for most people nowadays, and you're able to train your dog on your own time. Um, there's also some additional benefits that we're going to talk about, but one of the biggest benefits that I see is you're the one training your dog, not a trainer, and you're not taking your dog to a special location where it's going to get used to listening to you in that location and not at your home. So this can really help a lot of different people. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Mary Beth. Okay, Mary Beth, um, yeah, before we get into this and everything, talking about the Canine Virtual Academy, what I wanted to do is just uh, get to know you a little bit more, because it sounds like you have a pretty deep knowledge as far as dogs and animal science. Yes. Well, um, I live in a small rural town currently in Amish country, Ohio. Uh, we have three kids, ages four and a half, two and a half, and one. And we also currently share our home with two Labrador retrievers. One is a pet dog. Um, he also does pet therapy. And then we're training an assistance dog for canine companions for independence, um, hopefully to become a service dog for somebody with a disability. Uh, we also have a cat and a coop of poultry. Um, as far as my background, you were asking about my animal background. Uh, mm-hmm. Always have loved animals from a really young age. Actually, my older brother was had a kind of negative experience around dogs and was afraid of them. And he would run away when he saw a dog, and I would run towards them. You know, at the age of like two. <laughs> so yeah. I, before I can even remember, so pretty innate. Um, and I ended up going uh, doing my college education at the Ohio State University because they had an animal science program that was pretty diverse and well ranked. Um, and at the time, they were actually just growing a companion animal area of interest and where you could take some courses in dog and cat behavior or health or, um, you know, physiology and that kind of thing. Uh, so that was kind of where I ended up education-wise, got my bachelor's degree in animal sciences and then ended up going back um, to the Ohio State University and getting my master's degree in animal sciences with a focus on puppy development and behavior. Um, and then actually went back to school after that and got my veterinary technician degree. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, I was going to ask, what do you do with a puppy development degree? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> very fascinating. You answer a lot of questions about dogs. And yeah, yeah I actually awesome. taught, yeah, I actually taught some um, co- uh, community college classes in anatomy and physiology just because of the, as a human, but it was um, just from the science background that I had, I was able to do that. But couldn't really incorporate a lot of puppy behavior stuff into that. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, yeah, as far as being afraid of dogs. So even though I have a Boston Terrier website and everything, love Boston, but I am also afraid of dogs. Even though growing right? up, yeah, yeah, even though growing up, my mom had, like, she even bred some dogs, but we had a Bullmaster, a Dalmatian, a Lab, Rottweilers. So I've wow. always been around dogs, but I don't know why. Yeah. But I turned 18. Um, have been afraid of them ever since, except for Boston Terriers. Honestly, I think there's a healthy respect. Like, I think I'm lacking in some gene or something that comes with, like, being respectful of some of that. Yeah. Like, But I really do think there's a lot of innate, you know, whatever, is genetic, just like dog behavior, where some people are just cat people or dog people or horse people or whatever. That's, mm-hmm. There's nothing like, wrong about that. So. Yep. 
And then as far as, so Canaan Virtual Academy, because I came across this on Facebook. I saw your Facebook page. Yes. So I mean, I've talked to a lot of people that want to do dog training, but there's nothing, at least that I've seen, that offers, you know, kind of like what you're doing, a virtual academy. Yeah. So yeah, tell so, me about that. Well, um, so initially when we moved out to the area that we live in currently, which is pretty rural, small town, I think the population is like 2,000. Um, we realized, or I realized, that there really weren't very many or any options for obedience classes for people. So I kind of thought, well, that's unfortunate. Like, there's a lot of people that mm-hmm. say, oh, I wish I could take classes or my dog needs training. So I started um, offering some classes at my husband's clinic. He's a veterinarian. Um, and so I started teaching some classes there, which worked out fine. Um, but then we got pregnant with the third child. And um, being married to a vet, the schedule is fairly unpredictable. He does a lot of large animal work. So he's out, uh, you know, on call at night pulling animals. Right. I don't know if you've ever read James Harriet or anything like that. But, huh. you know, it's, a, it's hard to have a predictable schedule. And it just got to be really difficult to leave. You know, he would come home from work and I'd leave three toddlers with him so I could go teach class. And we're like, this is yeah. not working. <laughs> or he'd have I to rearrange his on-call that. schedule. Yeah. So... I stopped teaching. There's another girl that um, had kind of taken some classes with me and really picked up a lot of stuff. So she was um, starting to offer some classes and she kind of took over the traditional classes there at the, the clinic. And I took a break from that for a while and, but I've missed it a lot. <laughs> and I've, and dogs have always been a part of my life between raising assistance dogs and I've taught with a variety, you know, assisted and taught a variety of classes previously. And so I just felt like, you know, I really missed that aspect. I really like teaching. I mean, I really like teaching when it has to do with dogs. So I kind of started thinking about it and thought, I wonder how many other people are in a similar situation where there aren't a lot of options where locally they might have to drive 45 minutes or an hour to get to a class, or maybe their life schedule is such that they don't have like one evening a week where they can set aside an hour predictably, you know, to actually Mm -hmm. go to class. Or, you know, I know for sure that there are situations where people have dogs that just don't do well in a traditional class setting whether that's dog aggression issues or fear issues um, or socialization, you know, a dog that maybe came from a rescue that just has never been in the class environment. And that's the class environment is really helpful and socialization is really important, but sometimes that's not the first place you want to start. <laughs> like, let's throw right. them in a class with six other dogs. And um, so that was kind of what started the idea. And I thought, well, I actually posted it on Facebook to some of my friends. I was like, hey, I've got this idea. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. And got a lot of support and encouragement for it. And thought, well, let's give it a shot. And I always thought, what what do I have to lose? If we try it and nobody's interested and it's a flop, you know, I'm not out much other than my time. Right. Um, so that was kind of where the idea came from. I thought, well, maybe other people are in a similar situation. Um, and my goal was to pro- provide an opportunity um, for people to improve or advance training um, which I believe increases the bond with a dog when the dog is better trained and just the process of training um, that I encourage, which is a very positive experience, really does increase that human animal bond with the dog. Um, and I wanted to offer something that was flexible, convenient, and also somewhat personalized mm-hmm. versus like, this is how we do things. And so this is how it always is. Like, let's, right. you know, let's try to tailor it to what are your issues and what do you want to work on? And um, so my unofficial slogan is you can train your dog in your home on your time. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. So as far so it's a because I put down here philosophy of training, and I am not an expert at all whenever it comes to dog training. Like, yeah. What type of philosophy then do you use for your training? And that's a great question because you hear a lot these days about you know all positive or what you know what do you do? Um, and I like to tell people my 
my big thing, um, philosophy is the dogs will repeat behaviors with pleasant consequences and avoid those with unpleasant consequences. And I really work hard with my clients to discover uh, what techniques might work best in their situation. So instead of sticking to one, you know, hard, fast philosophy necessarily of, well, you know, I always use positive reinforcement or I always do this. I say, well, what, what are, what is your situation? What are your goals for your dog? Do you, you know, in some cases people are like, well, I just don't feel comfortable utilizing correction or in other cases, okay, this dog is going to hurt the dog. You know, the dog is going to get hurt and somebody else is going to get hurt if we don't introduce some sort of negative association. Um, and in our, in my case, I prefer to use something that's going to be humane, safe, um, and understood by the dog. So one of my common corrections is to use a squirt bottle. Like, okay, if the dog is, you know, biting my hand or barking in the cage a lot, then I'll use a little spray bottle with some vinegar and water. And that's very effective. It's safe and you're not dragging the dog around by its neck, you know, and things like yeah. that. Um, so we utilize, and my other theory is like, I really think it's really, really important to create a positive environment and make training fun because we know that people don't learn very well in a stressed out environment right. and we know that dogs don't learn well in a stressed environment. So utilizing lots of positive reinforcement for training, um, lots of reward, keeping it positive as much as possible and making it a fun experience for the handlers and the owners and the dog as well. Okay. Um, so as far as like the trains and everything, how how does that work? Let's say I come on as a client of yours. Can you kind of yeah. walk me through that process? Sure. So um, somebody that's interested in the online classes, mm-hmm. um, best way is to contact me and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in the classes. Usually people have some questions, you know, how does it work, that kind of thing. Um, and the classes are actually somewhat set up similar to like a standard in-person class we have they last for six weeks um but the big difference is instead of meeting you know for an hour or whatever like you would you don't have there's no scheduled meeting time online so all the material is uploaded or emailed there's two options if you're on facebook um some people prefer this method i do private facebook groups that form a class so i might have usually three to six people in a class and each week at the beginning of the week so on sunday i upload learning material for the week which comes in forms of uh, demonstration videos, written material. And then I have some um, practice suggestions, so things to practice during the week. And then I have assignments that are due back. So usually those are in the form of, um, you know, turn in, say for the first week, turn in four photographs or a video of your dog practicing a sit on four different surfaces. So if your puppy is just learning sit, you might do it on linoleum, carpet, gravel, and cement, you know, something like that. But if your dog already knows sit pretty well, you can get creative and, okay, I'm going to have them do it on a table or, you know, on a on baby gate and different surfaces to really broaden their confidence and, and ability to do a sit in a variety of locations. Um, and then another the week I'll have a different assignment. Okay, I would like a video, you know, a short video of you working on leash walking with the dog, incorporating at least one sit, stay, um, that kind of thing. And those videos enable me to kind of monitor progress, address any issues. I provide feedback um, for every assignment that's turned in, I'll comment, and usually it's positive, like, you know, mm-hmm. you did it great, perfectly, right on. Right. Uh, but if there's questions or issues, that way I've seen it in person. Um, and additionally, we found there's kind of been some unexpected benefits. Uh, we found that, you know, that having assignments, like having to take the pictures or get the video, people practice because you want that video to look at least right. halfway decent by the time you turn it in. So usually <laughs> right. it's like their third or fourth try. But in the midst of that, they've practiced, and that's exactly what I want. You're working with the dog. You're, you know, repeating what you're supposed to be practicing and building their confidence and hopefully keeping it fun. 
Um, mm-hmm. So it's become kind of a the motivation, you know, to keep it looking good. Um, for people that are not on Facebook, I off, also offer um, email correspondence. So it's kind of the same thing. At the beginning of the week, I email the material for that week and the assignments, and it's due the following Monday. So people have eight days, and they're completely on their own time to review the material, watch the videos, practice, and then turn in the homework. And then that goes on for six weeks. So I just keep, you know, each week posting more or sending more, and each um, week kind of builds upon the last. When I initially started, I just offered a basic obedience and manners course. Um, But since then, I've had some requests for level two classes and for puppy um, preschool. So I've gone ahead and created some curriculum for that and now offer um, three different levels. So depending on the age and background training that the dog has had, kind of we try to determine which class would be best. Yeah. it's So, so, you know, obviously we're on the Boston Terrier Society podcast and everything. And I've had a lot of people ask about like potty training their Boston. Is that something mm-hmm. you would cover in this type of class, or is that? Yeah. So okay. in the puppy preschool class, I especially cover that because that's kind of focused on puppies ages seven weeks to about 16 weeks of age. Um, so we actually have a whole subject on that one, one of the second week. Um, that's kind of a big discussion topic. Um, but in any other class, at any point during the classes, people are open, are welcome to ask questions, whether they email me privately is fine or post the kind of the benefit of the, the Facebook group is if somebody posts something, oftentimes other people have those issues and either haven't asked about it or, you know, whatever, didn't get around to it. And they're like, oh, yeah, me too. Um, So there's kind of that benefit. So at any point, even if it's not the subject of one of my, you know, pre-made discussions, I'm happy to talk about something like, okay, if that's an issue. Um, But I do have the basic obedience and manners course each week from week two through week six. I have um, focus on specific challenging (laughs) behavior issues or unwanted um, behaviors that we see. So we talked about jumping and barking and pulling on the leash and inappropriate elimination is also on there and just some strategies for addressing that. Things like monitoring water intake and keeping the dog with you and either crating them or keeping them in a smaller area, you know, until okay. they're a little bit more reliable in that. So yes, we definitely address that and I'm always open to addressing other issues that aren't specifically tailored to the course. So. Right. Um, something just popped in my head. Do you have the Facebook group and everything? Do mm-hmm. do people get to stay in this Facebook group, or is it like yes. a new Facebook group every you know eight six to eight it's, weeks? Yes. So it's a new Facebook group for every class, for every session. And I actually will if I get like currently I have twenty students enrolled in my three classes, and so I'll split it up because I don't want them to get so big that it's it's overwhelming. You know, by the time you get right six. You know, more than six people posting, it's just, it's too much for everybody. So mm-hmm. I have two sections of my level two class right now and two sections of my basic class and one section of the puppy preschool. Um, once the six weeks are up, all the material is posted. Those those students have access to that material for what, however long. They also get emailed that material regardless of whether we're doing just email correspondence or the Facebook. I always will okay. email them because some people find it easier just to print it up and be able to refer to it that way. Um, you right. can't get the videos printed up, obviously, but they can at least still access those. Um, but then for the next session, I'll start new groups. So I don't add, you know, people aren't continually being added to the group. They kind of mm-hmm. just stay. I'll, at the end, I just say, you know, I won't be uploading any more material to this course, but you can access it at any point and review the videos and whatever, you know, everything is there for them to continue access. Because part of my point isn't like six weeks, well, one, six weeks and your dog is not going to be trained. That's I don't I don't have any guarantees of that because six weeks yeah. is a quick, short amount of time. Right. The real goal is that I would give you the tools that you could take beyond six weeks 
and continue, you know, confidently, comfortably, and in a manner that's fun, continue to work with your dog. And I mean, look for one of the topics I actually talk about is progress versus perfection because no dog is perfect and no owner is perfect. So, you know, right. perfection is not realistic. What are our goals? How can we accomplish them? And what can we do in ways that the dog will understand to make progress? Mm-hmm. So, I really encourage people, you know, that by the end of the six weeks, do you feel comfortable continuing to progress with your dog and continuing to train and, or, you know, or do you not? And in, in which case, let's talk some more. <laughs> so, right. As far as, an, as far as like an ideal client, is there an ideal person that you're looking for or like a certain breed that might yeah, be better with the type of training? That's a great question. Um, and I mean, answer is anybody, <laughs> anybody is yeah, the ideal well, right. client. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, initially, I, yeah, I mean, initially <laughs> when I created the virtual academy idea, um, I was kind of geared to people with challenging schedules, those that lived far away from classes, or those with dogs that couldn't handle traditional classes very well. Um, but I'm finding that those that I've had a lot of students who actually are either are currently attending traditional classes or have attended tra- traditional classes who are taking my classes and are still enjoying and appreciating them. And I've had several people say, like, these are, you know, I've taken classes for years, so this is the best one I've taken. Um, and one of the things, again, kind of an unknown benefit is, you know, when when we take traditional training classes, the dogs are the dogs learn really quickly that when I walk into the doors of that obedience school or that clinic or wherever the class is being held, this is where I behave. This is school. Like I know this is where we train. Yeah. So then you turn mm-hmm. around and you go home, and the dog acts like the same old dog again. And you hear that complaint mm-hmm. a lot of like, well, they do great here, but as soon as I get home, it's like starting over again. They're like they're still getting into the trash and barking and whatever. And so one of the kind of un, unexpected benefits here is that the Canine Virtual Academy training takes place in your home, and you are the trainer. Like, you're learning mm-hmm. from me, but you're the one working with your dog. So, one, the dog is learning to behave at home, which is where they spend the majority of their time and which is usually where people want them to be behaving. Um, mm-hmm. And you're learning to be the handler versus, you know, in some traditional classes, the dog trainer can take the dog and make them look really good, but... Again, you're the the owner is the right. one with the dog and needs to be able to handle them. And so we found that that has really helped and like, okay, I can apply this right here at home. And the dog is learning to be trained at home versus the training environment where I behave and then at home I don't have to kind of yeah. thing. So. No, I can totally see that. So my wife and I, we did some DIY behavior training whenever our, okay. whenever our, our daughter was first born. And, yeah. Uh, it helped out a lot. But now pretty much my wife is the, the alpha Bella yes. only listens to her. So I know some of the techniques and whatnot, but yeah, once the, once the dogs hone in on whoever is in charge, yeah. that is it. So I could see them if you go to a training where there's actually somebody there kind of taking your dog and throwing the ropes, but they listen to them and not you. Right, which isn't really helpful in the, in the grand scheme of like what your goals are. So um, we actually have had, I've had a lot of interest from people um, with the organization that we raised assistance dogs for. So I tend to have a lot of retrievers just because that's there are a lot of volunteers that are raising dogs for the organization. Um, but I've actually had a lot of variety of breeds. Um, had a Cavapoo, um, Australian Shepherd, Cocker Spaniel. So we've had, even though the retrievers are kind of the dominating breeds just because of the people with the organization, um, I've definitely had some variety. And there seems to be, I actually had a Papillon, um, mm-hmm. not even a very common dog, but there seems to be... Yeah. If the people do the work, there's everybody that has done the work and turned in the homework assignments and all that has said that they've made progress and they've been really pleased. Um, sometimes that 
it's just like any online class where you can sign up and you can choose to review the material and apply it or you cannot, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> We're all adults yeah, yeah. and that's kind of a, I can't make anybody do it, but I've been really pleased with the feedback I've gotten yeah. from those who have actively participated. But there's that accountability too, because you're checking in, you know, with the right. homework assignments and everything, so that's great. Right. And that's a part of the, like, we really enjoy, I like the Facebook group um, version because there is, you know, other people there and there's kind of a camaraderie. Um, not that I'm opposed, I'm happy to do email correspondence too, but there's definitely kind of a fun group environment, people sharing and rejoicing in accomplishments together and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, so as far as like Boston Terriers and everything, is there, yeah. like, is there some type of trigger of when you should train your dog or is it pretty much as soon as you get a puppy, you should I look mean, into some type of training? Yeah. Ideally, I mean, for socialization benefits, you do want to start early, but of course you're also dealing with, you know, a dog that's not fully vaccinated and being really careful about where you take them and that kind of thing. Um, so I, in the puppy preschool class, I do think that training, so this is kind of where it gets interesting. It's not necessarily teaching obedience commands as much as teaching things like self-control, introducing the concept of self-control and housebreaking and um, things like that that can begin from day one, you know, when you get the puppy. One of the really big things that I encourage people with puppies to do is to think about the future because when you have a little puppy, they're so cute and innocent for a few minutes and little terrors for a few minutes. And But I encourage people to think about, okay, what what is it you want that dog to do or not do as an adult? If you don't want them jumping and pawing on you when they're, you know, 20 pounds right now, when it's six pounds, it's cute, but you need to start now, set that expectation. It'll be a whole lot easier. I said it's a lot easier to unbreak habits that aren't <laughs> aren't created than it is to break a bad habit. Right. Um, as far as, as, far like as puppy- I mean, Oh, go ahead. Oh, as I say, any age, though. I mean, I've had dogs that were five to eight years old taking my classes. So it's they're never too old to make progress. But you're going to, mm-hmm. I think, kind of have the biggest impact from a young age where you can set those expectations while they're young and set the foundation for what you want. Right. As far as, like, the puppy's age, is there a certain age, like four months you can, or? As far as starting, you can yeah. start, you can start, I mean, seven, eight weeks. Get puppies okay. in breeder homes can be, there are certain things you can start teaching them even, you know, from five weeks of age, six weeks of age, they can start learning some litter box, you know, holding, like urinating and defecating in specific areas or learning to sit for petting, that kind of thing. Um, so really, as soon as they go into a home at eight or nine weeks of age, you can start. But I think it's important to be realistic at that age. And, you're, you know, we're not going to expect an eight-week-old puppy to hold a two-minute sit-stay or like any of that. That's just not yeah. realistic. And even teaching commands at that point, you can, and it's fun, and they can learn. But it's more, you know, it's more important that they learn that learning is fun and that they learn, you know, short bouts of self-control. So having them wait for two seconds at the door before they go outside or have them sit and wait for two seconds before you let them eat their food or, you know, little things like that Mm -hmm. that really can then build to future training, official training. So, Which Um, I think, I guess, as far as that age would be probably around four months where you can really raise that expectation that you can hold a sit and a down and start walking nicely on a leash beside me, that kind of thing. Yeah. The, uh, well, yeah. What we've learned with Bella is consistency too. After we did all that training, we kind of, you know, let things go for a little while and then there was some regression. Yes. They're opportunistic little creatures, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah. If we don't train them, they'll train us. Yeah, that's right. And Bella hasn't trained. (laughs) But not my oh, life. They're smart. Bostons are definitely smart. 
Yes. And so as far as, so it sounds like, you know, people could benefit from through your training as well as, um, you know, the in-person training for the yes. socialization with other dogs. What are some tips as far as when people are looking to hire a dog trainer? Is there any, like, this is kind of multiple questions, but, like, is there any red yes. flags or credentials they should be looking for or questions they should be Yeah. Um, and that's a good, that's one thing um, that I'd like to add here is that even though I offer the virtual academy option, I am all about the traditional in-person classes. Obviously, kind of like your question, are there things to look for in making sure it's a good trainer trainer and a good class? Yes, like you can do a lot more damage going to a bad one. But um, things to ask, like you asked me, what is your training philosophy? You know, find somebody that you agree with their philosophy because you can really mess up your dog or mess up yourself if you go to somebody that you're like, ooh, I don't agree with that. Um, important to ask what the person's background and experience is. Unfortunately, it's really difficult um, as far as credentials go because there is no national standard for trainers. There are different credentials you can get based on education, background, experience, that kind of thing. And so people will usually put that, you know, I'm certified through whatever, but there is no national certification. So just because they have all those titles and letters after their name may or may not mean they're a great trainer. And it depends on who they got those through and what philosophy that school taught them. So Mm -hmm. so you have to still be kind of open-minded, even if they have a great background or they seem really like, well, all those letters after their name, they really seem smart. They got the doctor thing at the beginning or, you know, whatever. Um, So still really important. Uh, I think it's really beneficial if you can talk with um, past clients. If you say, hey, do you have anybody I can talk to that's taking your classes? So you can get some feedback from that. Um, And if you can, attend some classes before you even sign your dog up. So Okay, some shadow uh, have classes. That What's that? Like some shadow, like auditing yeah, class in college. exactly. <laughs> it may be even just one class, but if you say, hey, you know, would it be okay with you if I could? If somebody says that they're not okay with that, that would raise a red flag for me. <laughs> like, oh, really? Okay. Um, if somebody tells you that there is only one right way to train a dog, that would be a concern to me because, I mean, there's definitely not only one right way to train people and every dog is so different and breeds are different and everybody's life situation is different. Um, so I definitely think that if somebody tells you there is only one right way that they're stuck in, you know, and maybe that would work for your dog, but I don't think it would work for every dog. Um, somebody that guarantees results, it makes me a little nervous because, again, dogs aren't perfect, and I don't think you can guarantee that. <laughs> um, and then also right. somebody who would take the dog away to train it before you've established a trusting relationship. So I'm not totally opposed to, like, I think they call it Morden trains or, you know, people take somebody – a trainer taking the dog and training it, that's not all bad. But if you haven't established a relationship where you feel like you can really trust that person, I would be very hesitant to just, well, you're a trainer and your dogs are really good, so here, have my dog for a week and (laughs) bring Mm -hmm. it back. And again, running into the same issue we talked about, like they can make the dog look really good, but you still have to take it home and have it listen to you. So Mm -hmm. My wife and I watch a lot of season one. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, Okay, well, as far as like... um, I don't want to talk specific prices because I know prices can change and everything. But yeah. is the is the group one would that be um I don't want to say cheaper but like uh as lower it's cost in the price. Yeah. Sorry, no, <laughs> the pricing currently is the same. Um it's just based on the class that you sign up for. Eventually I suppose that could change if I get enough. I mean obviously the email correspondence is slightly more work but not um everything the way technology is these days I'm able to kind of set everything up in advance to download at a certain time or um, I still reply to 
to what's posted, you know, in real time. So that's usually within 24 to 48 hours. Um, but whether it's through the Facebook group or email correspondence, the pricing is the same. Okay. And, um, and then it's, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, and it's, it's pretty reasonable at this point because it's a small business getting started out, um, you know, compared to your traditional classes, it's still a bit cheaper than that <laughs> at this point. Right. Yeah. So. And I'll be sure to include a link to the prices yes. and everything in the show notes. That way people can just go right there and check sure. it out. Um, so at this time, are, I'm assuming you're taking on new clients? Yes. Um, at you? any point. <laughs> I offer, my classes run a session, so just kind of for my the sake of my sanity and kind of keeping everything running smoothly, um, I do them in six-week sessions. So they start at a certain date, they end on a certain date, and then I start up the next session. Um, so my next session will begin February 17th and um, you know, at this point, I'm planning to kind of continue pretty much every six weeks or so after that. Um, always available to take questions or names for upco- upcoming class sessions. So, you know, somebody says, hey, I'm not going to be available in February, but, you know, maybe in March or April would be better. Say, hey, I'll take your name and I'll be happy to contact you closer to that time and see if you're still interested. Um, and people can contact me via my Facebook group um, page or by Instagram um, or now by email at my Canine Virtual Academy. Um, email address. Okay. Yeah, and I'll, I'll put those all in the show notes. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to share? Or um, let's see if there's. Well, I was going to add if you check out my um, Facebook page, it's not just for those that are interested in the classes. I do um, post a Factor Fiction Friday every Friday, or That's a um, Fantastic Feature Friday. Yep. So usually <laughs> just kind of discussions about dog training, dog behavior, dog health. Um, sometimes I'll do a, a feature Friday where I'll pick one of our students and talk about the student and show a video or a picture of some of their accomplishments. And then on the last Tuesday of the month, I usually post a training tip Tuesday. So even if you're not interested in the classes, uh, if you want to come over and like the page and follow it and join into some of the discussions, people are always welcome to do that. I try not to be super pushy because I am turned off enough by other people <laughs> that are you know, <laughs> always pushing. So I figure if you want it, you'll contact me. If you don't, that's fine. But Let's talk dogs. We like to talk dogs. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll include that as well. And I literally just like the Facebook page. So perfect. Awesome. Well, <laughs> um, thank you for listening to today's episode. I'll be sure to, to include in the show notes all the links uh, to Mary Beth, as well as her email. If you have any questions about her training program, feel free to reach out to her. She'll be more than happy to help and answer all your questions. And I will talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye. Bye.